It's Sunday morning. Time for some jazz. Five songs, five stories. Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 41. Isn't that a surprise? I know it certainly is to me, because this was never intended to be a long-running series. It only ever started out as a bit of a lark, and yet uh, here we are, the 41st show. So if you're looking for some jazz, there's 40 hours plus for you to listen to in the catalog. On the Mixcloud, of course. I like to present on Mixcloud because artists and their estates are paid for their efforts. So, on tap today, I've gone with a mostly bebop jazz style. But of course, before the day starts, you need to have that uh, steaming hot cup of coffee. Let me just take a sip, shall I? Oh yeah, that's the stuff right there. Hot black coffee, just the way I like it early in the morning. Unfortunately, I ran out of bagels and I forgot to run to the store yesterday, so this morning's breakfast was bacon and eggs. Sunny side, four strips of bacon, two pieces of just plain white bread for toast because out of bagels and out of rye bread. What a tragedy that has befallen me on this Sunday morning. So today, going to be mostly bebop, and let's start it off with um, a recording from the late, great Dexter Gordon from the album Our Man in Paris, which was recorded in 1963. The song was originally uh, composed by Charlie Parker in 1947. So this is Dexter Gordon's uh, interpretation of Scrapple from the Apple. Thank you. 
interpretation of the Charlie Parker composition. The late, great Dexter Gordon. He passed away in 1990 at the age of 67. He did complications from kidney disease and cancer of the larynx. He was a pretty heavy smoker throughout his life. Unfortunately, it's what claimed him a little bit too young. Smoking was something that was, um, well, it was kind of a recurring theme in a lot of his album covers. You'd, you'd see a photograph of Dexter with a cigarette. Why, I don't know. Perhaps it, it goes back to a, a photo taken of him at the age of 25 in 1948 at the old Royal Roost Jazz Club in New York City. It's long since gone, so don't bother looking for it. But it's a photo of Herman Leonard, of uh, Dexter Gordon, taking a smoke break. And it's one of the most iconic images in jazz photography. Now, Dexter was commonly referred to as Long Tall Dexter because he was six foot six inches tall. That's a pretty tall fella. Just just under two meters, 198 centimeters. So a very tall man. His studio and performance career spanned over 40 years. Now his, his sound was always characterized as being large and spacious, as he had a bit of a tendency to play behind the beat. He was known for inserting musical quotes into his solos with sources as diverse as Happy Birthday, and well-known melodies from the operas of Wagner. He was known for his genial and humorous stage presence. He was an advocate of playing to communicate with the audience, which was also his musical approach. The great Dexter Gordon, who was not just a jazz artist, but a composer, of course, a musical educator, and an actor. Yes, a man of many talents, the late great Dexter Gordon. So I'm going to uh, stick with another Charlie uh, Parker composition, but a different interpretation thereof. This track is uh, titled Dewey Square, 
which uh, was originally, like I said, written by uh, Charlie Parker in, I think it was 1945. I'll double-check on that. Um, but yeah, this is this is a, an interpretation by the great Lou Donaldson. This was recorded um, December 15th, 1957, at the Van Gelder Studios in Hackensack, New Jersey. It was released um, on the album Lou Takes Off in 1958, July of 1958 to be precise. This is Lou Donaldson's interpretation of the Charlie Parker classic, Dewey Square.
the great Lou Donaldson from his 1958 recording. Sorry, 1957 recording, 1958 release of the Charlie Parker classic, Dewey Square. The song was originally composed by Charlie Parker in 1947, not 1943. I was mistaken. I do make a lot of mistakes as I am human and getting old and feeble. Okay, that part's not actually true. The getting old part is very true. The getting feeble part is... That actually hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it never will. Of course, the great Lou Donaldson, still very much alive and well, at the age of 94, he's kind of stepped away from performing because, well, you know, global pandemic and all. But it's possible we may see him again. One never knows. Jazz artists tend to play until the very, very end. As evidenced, of course, by the late great Dave Brubeck, amongst others. All right. Going to move it along a little bit and change it up from bebop to modal. And I'm going to play a composition that was originally written by the late great Thelonious Monk. But this interpretation is by uh, Miles Davis from the 1958 release. Recorded in 58, released in 58. Recorded between uh, February 4th, uh, sorry, on February 4th and March 4th at the Columbia 30th Street Studio in New York City and released on September 2nd, 1958. The great album Milestones from Miles Davis with Miles' interpretation of Straight No Chaser by Thelonious Monk. Thank you. 
Miles Davis, with his interpretation of the Thelonious Monk composition, Straight, No Chaser. That, of course, as I stated earlier, was from the album Milestones, which really is a milestone of a recording. Part of uh, his modal phase. Combine that, of course, bookended by Kind of Blue, released in 1959. You've got two landmark records from Miles, the Miles Davis Quintet. And on that record, of course, you're featuring uh, John Coltrane on tenor sax and Julian Cannonball Adderley on alto sax, Red Garland on the piano, Paul Chambers on the double bass, and Philly Joe Jones on the drums. Technically, it's a sextet, but Cannonball and Coltrane sort of traded off of one another throughout the recording. So it's been often referred to as the Quintet, second great Quintet. Recorded in 1958 and released in 1958. A landmark recording, without question. As I stated just a moment ago, the bookends of uh, Milestones and Kind of Blue are effectively uh, essential examples of 1950s modern jazz. As, uh, Miles Davis began to experiment with modes, scale patterns, other than major and minor, of course. And he did play the piano on one of the uh, cuts on the record called Sid's Ahead, which slightly different for, for uh, Miles. He was uh, an incredible musician, though, so it's not, not a big surprise that he also did play the piano from time to time. Now, the Penguin, guys, <laughs> the Penguin Guide to Jazz, try that again, Paul, selected the album as part of its suggested core collection, calling it one of the very great modern jazz albums. I can't argue with that. Brilliant recording, brilliant music, and a, and a magnificent interpretation of the Thelonious Monk classic, Straight No Chaser. And in all honesty, I, I have to admit that is my favorite version of, the, of that composition. As there's been many recordings, of course, but that one just, there's something about it that just really swings for me. So, let's stick with the same sort of style... And we're going to play a John Coltrane composition. This from his landmark album, Blue Train, uh, recorded in September of 57 and released in January of 1958. Absolute landmark of a recording. It, it's one of those records that changed jazz, as it does fall into the hard bop style of the era, but there's some modal experimentation in there as well. Five cuts off the original recording. This is the second cut from side, our first cut, my apologies, from side two. There are multiple alternate takes available on the Blue Note CD. Now I have the vinyl version, the 180, sorry, no, 200 gram pressing that I picked up a few years ago at uh, Bay Blue Radio in Toronto when I was down there visiting my sister. And it did come with a CD version, which was great because I was able to listen to it as I was driving around in my car. I picked that up about, it must be 10 years ago now. If you have the means and the ability to listen to vinyl, I strongly recommend you pick up that copy, a copy of that record, because it is brilliant from start to finish. So, without any further ado, from the classic album, Blue Train, this is Locomotion, John Coltrane. <laughs> Thank you. 
Kenny Drew on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Philly Joe Jones on the drums. From the landmark album, Blue Train, recorded on September 15, 1957 at the Van Gelder Studios in Hackensack, New Jersey, produced by the great Alfred Lyon, the man who found Blue Note Records, the founder. Just an incredible recording, incredible writing. As I said, I have the 200-gram vinyl version, and it does sound incredible. Now, the album's been released and re-released and remastered a number of times throughout the decades. In 1999, well, okay, let me back that up first. In 1997, The Ultimate Blue Train, which was the title of the record, was released, adding two alternate takes with some enhanced content on CD. And in 1999, a 24-bit 192 kilohertz DVD audio version was released. In 2003, both a Super Audio Compact Disc version was released, as well as a remastered compact disc as part of Blue Note's Rudy Van Gelder series. And in 2015, let me try and uh, get the date out, in 2015, Blue Note Universal released a Blu-ray audio edition of the album with four bonus tracks. With a previously unreleased uh, take of Lazy Bird, which was the uh, third and final cut on the original album. Absolutely landmark record. One you absolutely, without question, unequivocally, should have in your jazz collection. And again, as I stated, I recommend the vinyl version for the true experience. Sit down in your most comfortable chair, sit back, put the record on, and just listen. Now, I must confess that I... I um, I listened to this record a lot, like probably an unhealthy amount. Between Blue Train and Kind of Blue and uh, Dave Brubeck's Time Out, I, on average, listened to all those, those three records in revolving formats at least once a week. I'm not joking. They, they do mean that much to me, and when I've had a tough day, I've, I, uh, I need something to just unwind to and free your mind, you know. I find those are great records to do it. Now, in a completely different vein, I also love to sit down and listen to some Bob Marley. And uh, he just chills you right out. And no, I, I don't do the 420. Never have, never will. I'm allergic to it. It'll probably kill me or make me very, very sick. So it's not my thing. But that's cool if it's yours. It's no big deal. It's not like you're doing anything illegal in Canada, right? Or in California, for that matter. If that's your thing, hey, fill your boots. So, this next track I'm going to feature, the final cut for today, uh, is by an artist that I have yet to play. I have not put any of his music on yet, and its I guess it's kind of been an oversight of mine, because I've mostly been concentrating on some of the greater uh, known uh, trumpeters and sax players, but... Today, I want to feature a drummer, but not just any drummer. I want to feature the drummer's drummer. Actually, he's the drummer's drummer's drummer. He gets a third one. He was that good. I had never seen him perform live in person, but I had seen him play live on television a number of times. And I don't think there's a drummer alive that was not at some point influenced by this man. He actually did something uh, long before Tommy Lee from Motley Crue did it. Yeah, he played upside down. It was a surprise thing that they did. I think it was in the mid-60s, if memory serves. First time anybody had ever done that. It was to just show how capable he was. Do you know who I'm talking about? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm a little hopped up on caffeine. I had three cups of coffee, and I've been up since 5 a.m., so... It's about uh, 9.45 a.m. at this recording, and I'm starting a little late today because I had some other things I needed to take care of earlier, so apologies for my tardiness in getting this show produced. Without any further ado, this is a, a classic cut, a live cut, mind you, from the Buddy Rich Quartet, live at the Dream Bar. This is Jumpin' at the Woodside, the Buddy Rich Quartet. 
Oh, man. Jumping at the Woodside from the late great Buddy Rich, recorded in 1958 at the Johino, jo- Johnina Hotel in Miami Beach. Was it 58? I think it was 50. No, 57, sorry. Recorded in 57, released in 58 at the Johnino Hotel in Miami Beach, Miami. Buddy Rich, if you are unfamiliar with his work, is without question, according to the great Gene Krupa, the greatest drummer to have ever drawn breath. You need to seek out his music. Um, he, he was a bit of a hothead. But when you are the greatest drummer that's ever lived, you might demand people be good. His influence? Well... <laughs> Effectively, um, now to begin with, Buddy Rich did not like country or jazz music. And when he was in the hospital before he was to go in for surgery once, a nurse asked him if there was anything he couldn't take. She meant, of course, like a painkiller. And his response was, yeah, country music. So he did not care for it, and he did not like jazz. But every rock drummer who's anybody was influenced by him. Perhaps you recognize some of these names. Alex Van Halen, John Bonham, Carl Palmer, Ian Pace, Trey Cool, Bill Ward, Phil Collins, and Roger Taylor. Oh, and for the younger set, Travis Barker. Now, Buddy Rich met many of these young players, and although he was no fan of rock and roll, Mel Torme said he was always very polite and kind and accepting of all of them. The late great Buddy Rich, the greatest drummer to have ever drawn breath. So that brings us to the end of today's show. I apologize if I sounded a little rushed. Too many cups of coffee tends to do that from time to time. But, uh, you know, better late than never, I guess. Even if I am rushed. So I will be back next week. Uh, five more songs, five more stories, five more artists in the continually ongoing saga. Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition. This has been part 41. Next Sunday, we'll have part 42. In the meantime, I do have a political podcast. If that uh, fancies you, let me know. I'll be happy to give you a link to it. And the main uh, show, the uh, Songs and Stories volume series, I've rewritten show 89 and I'm in the process of recording it now. I wasn't happy with the original results, so I thought, let's just rewrite it, redo it, and just create a whole new show. So I hope to have that out in the next couple of days. Anyway, until we meet again, my friends, take care. Bye.